Future, your host. I invite you to join me as together we experience a future quake. 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 Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Future Quake Show. I'm Dr. Future. Uh, I'm flying solo this week. Uh, turns out uh, our friend um, Tom Bionic on the show is uh, out of town. Uh, he's out on the uh, left coast this week. Uh, he'll be back joining us this Friday. And so we look forward to having him back again. It's never quite the shame. same in the Future Quake studios without uh, our friend Tom here. And so... Uh, we're, we're going to uh, proceed forward, and we've got a great guest this week. Uh, we have a gentleman who has been quite a role model for me and a role model for everyone in the area of alternative radio, particularly uh, Christian alternative radio. And that's a gentleman by the name of Dr. Stan Monteith, who is the host of uh, a radio program called Radio Liberty. Uh, he's on uh, at least 60 stations around the country. Uh, as well as being very popular on the Internet and shortwave as well, too. Uh, broadcasting uh, from a studio uh, and, a, and transmitter at his home overlooking Monterey Bay in Santa Cruz. Uh, a physician by training. He's a wonderful gentleman. He's a wonderful believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's devoted his life and sacrificed much to provide information that would be useful to uh, his listeners about what is really going on in the world and how to properly prepare uh, for the events that are going on in the future and what should come to pass based upon his research. Uh, his work is incredibly provocative and has really set the stage for shows like the Future Quake show to come about. So uh, we're going to go directly into my interview uh, with Dr. Monteith. If you're not familiar with, uh, with his work and his show and his book, Brotherhood of Darkness, I'm sure you'll really enjoy this. And so I'm going to step aside. We'll have some good time to talk about some of his uh, contents when I get back. But until then, here's Dr. Monteith, and we'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Future Quake Show. I'm Dr. Future, and I am very pleased to announce that we have a wonderful friend of the show, a gentleman that we deeply esteem and admire, and an old hand in the world of uh, Christian radio uh, by the name of Dr. Stanley Monteith, who was the host of a syndicated radio program called Radio Liberty. I know many of our long-term listeners are familiar with 
Dr. Monteith based upon their own research or uh, based upon an earlier visit that he uh, placed to the Future Quake Show earlier this year in 2008. But for our many new listeners, I would just like to welcome you to the show and tell them what a, what a great treat it's going to be for them uh, to be able to hear what you have to share with us today. Well, it's great to be with you, and I, I, I don't know about an old hand, but I am getting on a little bit. <laughs> well, I've been studying these things for 46 years, so uh, that gives me at least um, a certain amount of credibility. We've made a lot of mistakes through the years, but we've learned a lot, and hopefully we have a pretty good grasp of what's going on. Really a much different perspective than most people do. Well, I certainly didn't mean old hand in terms of age. I just meant in terms <laughs> of your experience in, uh, in these kind of things. I'm pretty wet behind the ears uh, in this field, so uh, I've tried to learn from people such, such as yourself. Uh, to get our discussions going, could you just share with a little bit of our audience, and as I mentioned, a lot of our, our folks are, are new people that may be uh, new to you in your ministry, uh, a brief background uh, on your career prior to radio, your esteemed career in medicine, and uh, what happened to you to cause to enter the field of radio, and, and how long you've been involved in, in your radio show. And along, along the way, share a little bit about uh, your walk with the Lord, too, and how you came to faith in Christ. Well, I, I graduated from medical school back in, in 1952. I spent some time in the military, took a, a training, residence training in orthopedic surgery, went into orthopedic surgery in a little uh, seaside town called Santa Cruz in California in 1960, and and it was about 1962, I turned into the wrong television program, and I heard an old man talking about what was going on in the world, and he said, you know, the media in the United States is controlled, and you're not getting the truth. Furthermore, the United States is, isn't a democracy, as you've been told. It's a republic, and if you, if you read the documents of this country, you'll realize, and of course the great lies were a democracy, which means government can do whatever it wants, whereas in a republic... The power of the government is limited so people can be free. And then he talked about how when Fidel Castro was put in power in Cuba in 1959, the American State Department and the CIA were behind this, and they knew he was a communist, and they installed him as a communist, that our government had been working to help the communists for many years. And furthermore, he talked about something called Operation Keelhaul which was at the end of the Second World War. Of course, everybody's heard about the Holocaust and the horror that befell the, uh, the six million Jews, but very few people have ever heard about Operation Keelhaul, where the United States government and England and our allies in Europe had forcibly repatriated six million Russians who didn't want to go back to Russia for fear they'd be killed, and we sent them back. Many of them committed suicide rather than go, and, and of course, most of them were killed when they got back to Russia, thanks to the leaders of the United States and Russia. And I'd never heard of Operation Kiel Hall, and all of the things he was talking about were just so so foreign to anything I'd ever heard. I decided maybe maybe I'd start to check out his claims, because I sure, was sure they couldn't be true. Well, the more I read and studied, and remember, of course, all through the years of my uh, medical training, I, I hadn't had time to pick up a magazine or a book. And I began reading books and history books, and and as you can really you could find these things. There are books on whether it be Operation Keel Hall or or certainly the difference between a republic and a democracy. And 
through the years, of course, I had eventually the opportunity to interview the American ambassador to Cuba at the time of the Cuban Revolution. We actually have a, a, a DVD we put together based upon my interview with Ambassador Earl Smith, and he makes it very clear. The CIA and the American State Department brought Fidel Castro to power in 1959, and they knew he was a communist, and they did it anyway. And, of course, it didn't make sense, a lot of these things, until you begin to understand there is a technique. And that is, of course, you create your enemies. You need an enemy to rally the people behind you. And Dr. Montes, can I ask you quickly about this? Sure, so, sure, I, yeah. I, it sounds like to me, and I, and I want you to continue with your discussion here. But it sounds like to me, you you, you sort of had your your paradigm and your bubble uh, bubble burst regarding what you understood to be America. Here it was in the in the 1950s, a, a golden age supposedly of American ideals, America as a bastion of freedom and everything that's good in the world. Uh, and here you are finding that there is news. That has not been presented in many schools, textbooks, things like this. That that shows that uh, sometimes what we know of of America in our textbooks is not what it really is. is am I saying that correctly? You're saying that very correctly. I mean, it's not that I love any of my country any less, right? But I realize right. it's been taken over by wicked people who have a different agenda and are using the military and financial power of our nation uh, to bring about a one-world government and a new world religion, and to destroy Christianity, and that's what's really going on today. This is a, a spiritual battle, but it took me many years to realize that. Well, anyway, after I began researching back in 1962, I, I learned about the, the uh, great tax-exempt foundations, the Rockefeller Foundation, the Ford Foundation, the Carnegie Foundation, I came across a congressional investigation that was done in 1953 and 1954, and then it was shut down, and every effort was made to keep the American people from hearing what the congressional committee found, because what they found was that the tax-exempt foundations, Rockefeller, Carnegie, and Ford, were behind the communist movement in the United States and is actually in doing everything they could to facilitate its spread throughout the world, which didn't make any sense. I found out that the uh, the Kinsey Report, which had done so much to change the morals of our society, to make us feel that promiscuity and homosexuality and pedophilia and were, were perfectly normal things. And yet, of course, that was financed by the Rockefeller Foundation, and everything was done to keep the American people from learning that. They learned how these great tax-exempt foundations had brought us into World War One, had, had facilitated us getting into World War Two. And, of course, this is all covered in the Reese Committee report and eventually why we, we actually were given the plates to a book that dealt with the Reese Committee report, its book called Foundations, Their Power and Influence, and we actually republished the book, and we've kept it in print for a decade and a half, despite every effort being made to keep this information from the American people. Well, after discovering the great part the Great Foundations played, then I, I learned about the Council on Foreign Relations, which is located at 50, uh, 5080 68th Street in New York City. That's 5080 68th Street in New York City, New York, and and I went back there, and I spent uh, many weeks going through their papers, and you can go in as a researcher, and I was certainly a researcher. And, of course, here, why, of course, you run into all the people from the Ford Foundation, the Carnegie Foundation, the Rockefeller Foundation, 
And you begin to realize that there's a network of people out there who have a different worldview. They want to destroy America. They want to create a world government. This is why we have, you know, uh, troops in 130 nations. America has troops stationed in 130 nations in the world. We have over 700 bases all throughout the world, military bases. What? Why are they there? They're not there to defend America. They're there to keep corrupt governments in power who, of course, will go along with the uh, secret agenda, the secret agenda of establishing this one world government, which means the destruction of America as we know it. Well, then, of course, you begin to learn about other organizations, the Bilderbergers, uh, the Bohemian Grove, the Trilateral Commission, the Club of Rome, the Pilgrims, the uh, certainly the organizations like Opus Dei, which is a secret Catholic cult. You begin to, begin to realize that all of our major religious organizations have been infiltrated at the highest level. And we find about the Masons and the number of Masons, uh, certainly, who have become ministers so they can change the message and the music of our churches. And, of course, as you get into this, you find out about the Rosicrucians and the Theosophists and the, the Lucis Trust. And we could go down, uh, you know, through the, the litany of all of these organizations. There are literally dozens of organizations out there uh, moving us towards world government. But how could anybody be clever enough to coordinate all these organizations or even a group of people to coordinate the organizations? And so I knew... For many years, I was missing some major factor. And then, of course, in the early 1980s, why I, I, I heard a talk given by a woman named Constance Cumbie who talked about the New Age and the occult movement. And suddenly, all of the various dots began to come together to create a picture. And you begin to find out that all of these organizations I may, named and many others uh, which I refer to in my book, The Brotherhood of Darkness. All these organizations have a spiritual foundation, uh, and they are energized by this mysterious spiritual force, this other dimension that we're warned against in, in, in the Holy Scriptures. And we're told, you know, first that we should avoid people who are into a, a fortune-telling and mediums and, and diviners and, and those people who are water witches and, and all of these these people who are trying to contact the other spiritual dimension. Well, of course, along the way, what didn't take me very long as I began this odyssey, this quest that, uh, you know, I came to realize we were involved in a spiritual battle, although I really didn't understand it, but I suppose it was 1963 when I finally got down on my knees and asked Christ to take over my life because I recognized the evil in the world and I couldn't address it. Uh, deal with it on my own. So you came across but, all this information, and it led you to Christ, rather well, than knowing Christ and being able to understand it. No, basically, huh. this led me to Christ. And this is why I do what I do. Is you know, I do five hours of talk radio a day plus a weekend program, and I do this because I honestly believe the only way to make people uh, bring many people to Christ or or to strengthen Christian faith is for people to understand that we face the loss of everything we have. There are powerful spiritual forces intent upon the destruction of our country, the destruction of our religious belief, and, and they're doing a great job of it. You go to your churches today, listen to the music. What happened to the music of our churches? It was intentionally changed 
because they wanted to alter Christian faith. Listen to the message, and the message has changed. And instead of studying the scriptures, we get the warm fuzzies, how to get along with our husband, how to get along with our wife, how to get along with our boss, how to have self-esteem, and all the things that have nothing to do with Christianity. Christianity doesn't tell us we're wonderful people. It tells us that uh, we're all sinners and we're saved by God. And when was the last time anybody heard the message, fear God and keep his commandments, but fear God because there is ultimately a punishment for uh, our sins and the only hope of salvation we have is through our Lord Jesus Christ. And those who do not accept him, uh, they will certainly uh, spend eternity in hell. And we don't even talk about hell much in our churches anymore. They've changed the message and they've done it so subtly that even many of our ministers don't understand that they infiltrated our seminaries 50 years or more ago, and they've done that to change Christianity because Christianity is the is the bulwark against these forces, and it's being very effectively undermined today. Do- Doctor Monty, can I can I ask you real quick? Uh, it seems sure. like to me that, uh, and, and you are a real pioneer in this area because, uh, as I've mentioned myself and others before me, actually uh, sort of followed in your footsteps in being able to turn over these rocks and look at these areas and, and debunk a lot of the, uh, the, the the paradigms and the presumptions that we've had growing up uh, in the very sheltered environment we've been in. Uh, it seems to me that we have grown up in a culture, and I'm just speaking about America right now, it's a wonderful country. Uh, we, I think you would agree with me. You, you love this country, want the best for it. You're thankful and grateful to God for the, for the gift of it and the freedoms that are here. But that we have been sort of programmed uh, in our books and sometimes in our churches to have a certain worldview of who our enemies are, uh, what is really going on, what what current events are really happening just of their own merit and not being manipulated, and what it appears to me what you found, and I'm seeing more and more people find, and, and I try to cover on this show just like you do in yours, is that you find behind the scenes that we have enemies that we don't often understand before we're really who our enemies are. I'm talking enemies of decent people, and particularly Christian folk. They're people who have a smile on their face and may pat us on the back, particularly people of faith. But they're people who are behind the scenes, and if you do a little research and wake up out of your slumber, you find out are actually working and colluding with others to do things that would confirm our worst fears. And we find that often that the people who have been set up to be our enemies are people who they have purposely set up and manipulated uh, in, in that light to actually manipulate us and to get us to a stage where we adopt their their long-term worldview. And once you start going down this road, you start you start upsetting the apple cart of all the things that you thought were near and dear, uh, and, and it completely changes your worldview. And it's a reminder as a Christian that, that while we're very, very blessed uh, to be in, again, our country we are, and it's good to be patriotic, we find that all the kingdoms of this world are in essence evil, and it's going to an, an ultimate end game, and we should never get uh, confused with the kingdom of God and, and our service of the Lord Jesus Christ and what's going on with the nations of this world. It, would, you, would you agree? Is that sort of generally the path that we're all starting to follow down? Absolutely. And the thing is that you know, I start my programs every day with the phrase, reality is usually scoffed at, illusion is usually king. But in the battle for survival of Western civilization, it's going to be reality, not illusion or delusion. That'll determine what the future will bring. And that's really so true. Most of what we think we believe isn't true. Most people believe that communism, you know, was the enemy, and then we need that communists were evil and, and horrible and, and brutal, and, and that's absolutely true. But what people have missed is the fact that 
communism from its inception has been financed by people here in the United States. Mm -hmm. And why? Well, first of all, it was a social experiment. And they could use the, the people there, the enslaved people, uh, for all sorts of uh, little tricks and programs. And, and they, they use it, use it, we use the people of Russia, for instance, for trying our polio vaccine before they ever gave it here in the United States. Of course, they only later found out there was a, a cancer virus in, in the polio virus that they gave the Russian people and the American people. In fact, there's a book put out by the... Uh, by the National Institute of Health, or, or actually supported by them, called the Health Century. And you hear these, these wicked people laughing at the plight of the Russians who were infected with the, with the cancer viruses and how their athletes won't be very good in the future because they'll have to carry around all these big tumors that are going to be created by the vaccines we use on them. But people do not understand that from the very inception of communism back in 1918, why it was financed by the United States, by our Federal Reserve Board, by American capitalists, and, and we carry a number of books on mm -hmm. this. Uh, and you have um, documents. You have extensive oh, proof yeah, and yeah, documents yeah, that verify yeah. this. And, and people who have even been part of the communist movement who've come out and said, you know, I suddenly realized that I thought I was fighting the evil system here, and I found out that communism was controlled by the same I was fighting here. Uh, that's the story of Bella Dodd. It was an official in the Communist Party, and we tell her story in my book, uh, Brotherhood of Darkness, and she actually wrote a book about it, you know, where she'd been a dedicated communist, totally dedicated. She was a lawyer, totally dedicated to communism and the destruction of America, but during the Second World War, when it was just beginning, she asked from the high communist officials what they would do if they lost contact with 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 the Central Committee of the Communist Party in Russia, and the Russian officials said, oh, you just go over to you know, the Waldorf Astoria Hotel and you talk to this man and this man and this man, and these were three of the leading capitalists in America. And suddenly she realized that they were the ones who were directing communist policy. And, of course, you have to understand that nothing is as it appears to be. And you, Why today, for instance? I mean, to give you an example of today, why today is, is the United States doing everything we can to build up communist China? Why is the World Bank, the International Monetary Fund, the Asian Development Bank, the East Asian Development Bank, uh, American corporations, American banks like Goldman Sachs, General Motors is the largest automotive producer in communist China today. Why are they transferring our factories to communist China and making this brutal dictatorship work more efficiently. Do Dr. Monkeith, if I could give an example of uh, what you're talking about. I, I purchased your book, Brotherhood of Darkness, and began reading it, and I thought I had seen and heard everything. Uh, and if people look at the archive of our show, they'll know we've, we've covered everything but the kitchen sink. But when I started reading, and related to this Chinese issue, I was shocked when you actually put in just one of many examples in your book, actual narrative from the congressional record that shows that uh, our President Truman and Congress purposely cut off the supplies and support for Chiang Kai-shek and the, the anti-communist fighters and supported Chairman Mao at a critical stage and actually supported them getting an empire. Am, am I saying this correctly? Our supposed Absolutely. bitter enemy was actually someone who our own government and people put into place in power. 
Absolutely. In fact, it was David Rockefeller who after he returned from communist China in 1973 who wrote an article in the New York Times in which he said, you know, of course, there's been some brutality over in China. Of course, he didn't mention they'd killed by this time about 100 million people, including the 40 million they starved to death between 58 and 62. But he's writing in 73 and he's saying, but the social experiment in China is one of the most important and successful in history. The social experiment in China is one of the most important and successful in history. And, of course, David Rockefeller is certainly uh, far more wealthy than Bill Gates and, and Nelson and, uh, and uh, certainly Warren Buffett. Uh, they're fair. It's the, the most powerful organization in the United States, the wealthiest, one of the two or three wealthiest families in the world. But, but they're not going to let the American people know that. David Rockefeller is a member, actually he's the honorary chairman of the Council on Foreign Relations. He organized the trial out for commission. He's attended every meeting of the Bilderbergers for 54 years. David Rockefeller, of course, and his family are deeply involved in the occult, but they cannot let the American people know that. They've suppressed this information for a long period of time. But then this is true with Henry Ford. He was deeply involved in the occult, as was Andrew Carnegie. And this is how all of these people and all of these families have amassed their wealth because there is a supernatural power that you can tap into that will give you great wealth. In fact, if you remember the story of Jesus on the Mount of Temptation, where the devil says to him simply, kneel down and worship me, and I give you all the kingdoms of the earth. Kneel down and worship me, and I can give you all the kingdoms of the earth. Either the devil was lying or he controlled the kingdoms of the earth and the wealth of this earth. And I think he did at that time. I think he still does. And God has allowed this because, of course, God's plan is is unfolding for us this very day. And, of course, many times God uses organized evil to accomplish his goal, mm-hmm. not intentionally, but he gives man knowing full well that men, of course, will will be evil and will do evil things. And we're moving into a crisis situation here in the United States, the collapse of our economy, wars, disease, famines. The American people have no idea what lies ahead, but maybe if they read the Revelation 6-8, and I look and behold a pale horse, and the rider upon him is death, and Hades followed close behind, and power was given unto them to kill a quarter of the population of the earth with war and with with famine and with pestilence and with the beasts of this world. Dr. Montista, another area that, that, uh, that that's mentioned in there, of course, you're talking about the four horsemen. I right. was just doing some research in this area. You know, the, the second horseman... Uh, uh, is is the the what I what I see is representing a tyrannical civil government that creates wars all over the globe and massive bloodshed and then you have the third horse that comes out with the scales uh, in the rider's hands uh, which are which are meeting out it looks like money changers basically controlling world currency and control and flow of of food but I also found that that term for scale in the Greek also means a yoke and it's a yoke that was actually put on slaves uh, back in that day in the original Greek, and I, don't, I can't see a better expression of, of the corporate masters that you're talking about that uh, at their own whims put economic yokes on whatever 
parts of the world they choose to exploit uh, at the time, and it will only get worse, like we see later in Revelation at the great city Babylon, when they deal with all these commodities, including the souls of men, and until they're uh, vanquished in, in a day's time. So uh, I, I find this fascinating, but what, what frustrates me the most, and I'd like your comment, I wanted to ask you later on this, but I think this is a good time to discuss it. The people group, and, and maybe I'm just harder on them than I am others, but th- those that I find that are slumbering the deepest and who swallow the, the words that we're given in our media the most sometimes are the, our own evangelical Christian community. Uh, we're told by our media and by our political agents who our enemies are, who we're supposed to hate, who we're supposed to like, who we're supposed to attack, who who are the good guys. Uh, there are artificial battles set up between political parties that we vigorously join into, and then they sit back and laugh at us while we presume that some of them are on our side. And we live in this slumber, and, and I'm, I'm afraid that Christians as a whole are much more naive about the information you're talking about than others. Do you agree with me in that respect? And what is the antidote uh, to that? All we can do, of course, is hope to educate people and get them to see the big picture and understand that this is a spiritual battle being fought on a political, ideological, cultural, financial, educational battlefield. But behind everything are these powerful spiritual forces. And, and certainly, I mean, I, I was part of the a group of evangelical Christians, about 25 to 30 people, who were <clears throat> gotten together and recruited to pick the next president of the United States in 1999. And we met with, with George Herbert Walker Bush. And um, I will have to admit uh, uh, that there were only two of us, myself and John Stormer, who was with me, of this group of wonderful, wonderful people who love the Lord, who saw through George Bush and realized uh, that we were getting a terrible, terrible problem. And because George Bush looked in my eyes when I asked him a question, and we each got to ask one question, and, and he simply lied to me. And I knew he was lying to me. And uh, why would a man lie? He was professing his Christianity, telling how, uh, of course, he'd become a Christian. Billy Graham had led him to the, the Lord, and. My goodness, you know, if, if we challenged what George Bush was saying, well, it was like we were challenging Billy Graham. But unfortunately, George Bush has done more to dis- damage the Christianity throughout the world than, than anybody I know. Uh, certainly, when people look at the torture and the wars and the aggression and the oppression of people exerted by the current administration, the people of Iraq don't want us over there. They keep asking us to leave, and we won't leave. But that's not what our government says. Oh, well, we've got to have victory. We can't leave it. We shouldn't have gone in the first place. And if we did go in the first place, we shouldn't have. You know, as soon as we'd gotten control of the country, why, of course, we could have turned it over to the patriotic Iraqis. And the first, you know, and instead of that, we dissolved their army. We dissolved their police force. We dissolved their civil service. We shut down their schools and their hospitals and their factories. Threw everybody out of work. We created chaos. So we could justify staying over there. But the average American doesn't understand that. We didn't go there to to win. We are not trying to win the war over in Iraq or Afghanistan. Anybody who questions that, I suggest uh, they go to my website at RadioLiberty.com. And there in December of 2007, my newsletter, December of 2007, my Radio Liberty newsletter, it's up on my website. And we'll have your link on uh, FutureQuake.com if that's all right. That's fine. I appreciate that. But basically, we published the uh, a speech that was given by 
uh, Lieutenant General Cato Sanchez, who commanded the coalition forces in Iraq from from June of 2003 to June of 2004. And as you read it, you want to weep. Because he says over and over again, we weren't allowed to win the war. We weren't allowed to win the war. And I have a series of, uh, of uh, interviews with uh, Lieutenant General Sanchez, a great patriot, mm-hmm. a, a, a great warrior, and a man who suddenly realizes that that he was betrayed by the leaders of this country and and by his fellow people within the military. Dr. Montiza, I just want to make sure people don't misunderstand because sometimes people are so uneducated they jump to conclusions uh, with things like this. Your regular listeners know much better, but I just want to make sure people understand by you saying these things, you're not trying to shill necessarily for the Democratic Party, right? You you say it's all part of a much bigger problem in which they're they're both bound together, correct? Both political parties are controlled by the same people. But we're not trying to win the war in Afghanistan. Why did we go into Afghanistan? We went there to catch Osama bin Laden. Why didn't we leave when we didn't catch him? Because, of course, we never went there to catch Osama bin Laden. We went there because they wanted a war, and the same thing was true with Iraq. I fear the same thing will very soon be true with Iran. They're planning a war with Iran, and and heaven help us. But, you see, people don't understand that Vietnam was a no-win war. We didn't go there to win. Shouldn't we have a little pamphlet we call the Communist Capitalist Alliance, where we quote uh, speeches were given by Solzhenitsyn, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, and and Professor Sutton, who was a, a researcher at Hoover Institute, who pointed out that during the Vietnam War, we were financing the Russians, we were financing the North Vietnamese, who were financing the Viet Cong, who were killing our boys in the rice paddies and, mm-hmm. and the villages of South Vietnam. And conclusive proof is... In conclusion, conclusive proof has come out already that the Gulf of Tonkin, which was supposedly initiated all this, was a total fabrication. As I understand it, the documents have been released, and that was the information that was given to Congress to give President Johnson, Johnson carte blanche to do this effort without a declaration of war in Vietnam. Is, is that correct? That's right, but the Vietnam War was a no-win war. We didn't go there to win. Who is it who's funding the Vietnamese, the ruthless communists, Vietnamese government in Vietnam today, while we are. America's World Bank and International Monetary Fund, American corporations, American loans, are finding this Vietnamese government that's still holding our many of our soldiers, probably uh, between 500 to 1,000 that we abandoned. There's some books on that, like Kiss the Boys Goodbye by Monica Jensen Stevenson, who we've interviewed. Those books are actively suppressed in the United States. They were pulled off the off the shelves of bookstores across America so that Americans wouldn't read them and when Monica moved up to Canada, got the uh, the copyright back and had the book published up there. It was published by a private company. Somebody bought up the company and just accidentally just accidentally shredded five thousand copies of of her her book, Kiss the Boys Goodbye. Why? They don't want the American people to know that we abandoned between 500 and 1,000 of our soldiers there in Vietnam and a similar number in Laos, and uh, many of them are still there all these years later, abandoned by the, the wicked people who control our government. Not that the military would have done that. The military feels very strongly about abandoned soldiers. But many of them realize, of course, uh, the people who controlled the government at that time and still control it today, the very wicked people, have abandoned those soldiers and have suppressed that information. So the average American 
We'll never hear that. Mm -hmm. Well, Dr. Monteith, uh, I know this scenario in, in this uh, interview uh, today is just like uh, one our last time. We have so many areas we want to cover, and uh, this is the same information that you have faithfully preached for decades. And sometimes it's hard for me to back up a little bit. Here you have two uh, radio hosts uh, going at it together here. And, and I need to, to drop back for our, for our listeners and explain a little bit to them about your show, Radio Liberty. Uh, which is a heroic effort that you have been uh, faithfully uh, applying yourself to in service of the Lord for decades. And I'd like for you to explain a little bit about your program. As, uh, as I understand it, I believe it's syndicated on at least uh, 60 uh, radio stations, and it may be more. Uh, tell us a little bit about the topics that you cover with your show, any kind of details about it, and what you hope to accomplish with it. Well, basically, Radio Liberty was sort of my dream. I'd always thought when I retired, I'd love to do talk radio, but, I mean, how could you ever accomplish something like that? And then, of course, it's amazing how God works, and I really feel God's hand in it. A friend of mine came and said, look, they're going to have some low-powered FM licenses coming on, and would you be willing to put up a couple of thousand dollars and go in with me and we'll get a low-powered license and, and we can have a station here in Santa Cruz where we live? And I said, sure, sounds like a good idea. And when was uh, this, uh, Dr. Monty? This, this has been back in, in the late in 1980s. Wow. And uh, so uh, basically we uh, we uh, got a, a license and then we wanted to put a, 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 a little studio up someplace in, um, in Santa Cruz and the and the planning commission wouldn't let us do it. And then we, of course, then we had to get it re-engineered to put in another location, and the planning commission wouldn't let us do it. Uh, and then, of course, my friend said, well, why don't we put this, the uh, studio at your home and uh, put the aerial up on your roof? And I said, oh, well, the planning commission will never let us do that. But, you know, the planning commission did let us do that, and suddenly I've got a, uh, a small, low, uh, 200 watt uh, FM uh, state radio station in my home. Uh, <laughs> my friend installed everything, put in the studio. I had no idea how to do these things, but he built a station from scratch for us at a, at a fairly inexpensive cost. But you know, when we start doing programs, and when you're doing one program, it's just as easy to do two. Talk to the local radio station uh, in uh, in Salinas, and they said, well. You know, we'll, we'll let you come on here and drive time for $500 a month, best time of the day. Well, I mean, you just couldn't pass that offer up. Of course, that was the, <laughs> that was the come on before long. Of course, right. the price went up. But at least we began to develop a base of supporters. And then from there, why, of course, we got onto some of the major stations in California. Now, these are simply half an hour a week. We have to pay for the time. I mean, one of the stations for half an hour costs us four hundred and fifty dollars, but uh, and that's a week. And of course, for a month, you're talking mm -hmm. sixteen hundred dollars. But we reach all of Southern California at noon every Saturday in Cape Wright, uh, which is the second largest Christian station in that great metropolis of Los Angeles. So, uh, and the signal goes all the way from uh, from San Diego all the way up to. Uh, Visalium in, in the northern part of the, the valley there. And, and so what a great outlet. We have similar outlets in northern California and in and Oregon. And then uh, we have a lot of uh, smaller stations in New Mexico and in the Middle West. And, and we just keep picking up stations. And now a lot of these are just half an hour a week. I think our, our weekend program goes to 35 or 38 uh, stations for half an hour. 
And of course, we have our evening program that's on about 11 stations, which includes one internet, one shortwave, and uh, actually it's 12 stations. And then, uh, then we have our afternoon program. So we have about 60 outlets, including satellite, including, uh, in, including, um, shortwave, uh, internet, and then the radio stations. But at least we have a small voice and we're reaching some people and they're beginning to understand what's really going on in the world today. So uh, what a great privilege it is to, to have this outlet and, and to be able to get information out that people are not going to get elsewhere. And I know these programs are heard throughout the world by the miracle of the Internet. And you know, hopefully we're bringing some people to the Lord and we're strengthening the, the faith of others. So <laughs> I feel it's a real privilege. I don't take any credit for it myself. God has opened the doors, and believe me, I couldn't have done it on myself, by myself, but we, we, people can listen to our programs on the internet uh, at radioliberty.com. That's radioliberty.com. Uh, they can listen to our afternoon and evening programs uh, on the um, uh, shortwave. We have shortwave, a, a very, very powerful program in the, in the evening, although it comes on 11 o'clock your time. And then, of course, we have this satellite uh, availability, 24-hour day feed the satellite which people can get and mm-hmm. so we have all the means of reaching people god is just going to have to get them to listen because i sure can't do it well let me we have a lot of people who are actually passing out flyers and passing mm-hmm. out cards and telling other people to listen and i always tell them that when people start to listen they're going to think we're crazy but before long before long they're going to be afraid we're not mm. well i i just like to say to our regular future quake listeners uh in the nashville area and, and around the globe via the internet that uh, I, I can only deliver, uh, you know, about two and a half hours worth of uh, programming a week. Um, if you want to have additional information that's even broader in scope and information, be sure and catch all of the material that's produced by Dr. Monteith and Radio Liberty because it dovetails right into uh, the kind of approach that we do here at Future Quake, and we're really fighting the same fight and uh, providing the same, similar kind of information. But, but certainly Dr. Monteith has a much wider reach and a, uh, and a broader amount of information he can, he can cover in his time. Uh, Dr. Monteith, do you have any kind of uh, uh, reasonably certain feel on these different mediums that you are and all the stations you're at, at how wide your reach is as far as the number of people that you regularly touch with uh, your programming? No idea. I mean, we don't have the... Uh, Arbitron ratings on it, and certainly we uh, we just know that we're reaching people. We hear from them, they call us, we talk to them off the air, and what it's just a privilege to have people. We they're like members of our family. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know them, and yet we've never met them. We do put on a conference every year, and of course every year the number of people increases. And that would be of course in October, October 26 this year, and any of your listeners be interested in coming. Could call our number. That's one eight hundred five four four eight nine two seven. One eight hundred five H I V War, and that's the number I used when we were talking specifically about the AIDS epidemic. And that's H I V War. Is that right? H I V War five H I V War, and uh, if they're interested in coming to our to our annual conference, we've got to bring in speakers from across the country. But it, it's important that people understand they're not alone in this. There are a lot of people out there who really are concerned, and, and there is a growing awareness all across America uh, of what's going on. Mm-hmm. But in a plug, we do have a, 
a website. It's called RadioLiberty.com, and you can go there and you can listen to our radio programs four hours a day or nine hours a day if you, uh, on the satellite mm-hmm. feed. They can read our newsletters. All of this is free. We have a section on videos, and they can see a lot of the videos we produce at our meetings. And then we have another section called Other Videos. That's Other Videos, which I think is very important because there you'll actually see uh, the places you can actually uh, log on to YouTube and, and mm-hmm. video, and you actually have an opportunity to hear Aaron Russo, who is a patriot, right. and he's being um, tells about his interview with one of the one of the members of the Rockefeller family, telling him about their plan to control the world and to chip the people and to control everything, and asking him to join. And of course, he he wasn't about to join. He loved America and wasn't going to betray us. And a lot of of the clips from Ron Paul talking about what's going mm-hmm. on in Washington, D.C. Anyway, if people go there, and all you have to do is just scroll down, and if you see a subject you like, you just click on it, and you'll see the video, uh, the video clip of the YouTube um, YouTube clip. And this is so vitally important. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a picture is worth a thousand words. Right, right. Now, now, uh, Dr. Monteith, do you, I mean, is this largely a volunteer effort you or others do <laughs> for this large scope? It's a non-profit organization okay. now. That doesn't mean you're going to get a tax exemption because right. we didn't take out a tax exempt status. But I don't get a salary. My wife works 12 to 14 hours a day. She doesn't get a salary. I do five hours of talk radio a day and the rest of the time researching. We do this full time because this is our ministry. And I believe God's called us to do it. And, and that's why we're doing it. And, and of course, I know that you're doing what you do because you want to get the information that's out. That's right. There are more and more people all across the country who are becoming aware of what's going on and getting the people out. It's exciting to see uh, this movement of Christian patriots grow because this is primarily a Christian movement, even though uh, you know, there, there are some people, of course, who would be supporting what we say who don't believe what we say, but the vast majority of them are Christians who right. realize that the true nature of this spiritual battle we're engaged in. Well, I'd just like to point out to our listeners to stop and think for a minute. Um, we've, we've got a gentleman like Dr. Monteith who had an extremely successful medical career, uh, making very, very large sums of money as, as appropriate for someone of his skill, uh, doing extremely well, and, and rather than continuing and going into later age making millions of dollars, he and his family have sacrificed that because of their love for their fellow man, their fellow citizen, their fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord. And they could be taking time, even if they weren't working, going out in that beautiful area there and uh, where they are in Santa Cruz and enjoying that beautiful weather and scenery and playing golf and relaxing and boating and all those kind of things their lifestyle could otherwise afford. But they've chosen instead to spend countless long hours in a studio uh, tied to a radio program that they're at every day that they don't get relief from, tied to deadlines they have, websites to keep updated, uh, money and cash flow that they need to be able to uh, catch up and keep all the airtime on. That is a major, major sacrifice that they do because they love people like you. And, and what I ask you in exchange is to uh, consider what he says very, very seriously. If this wasn't information that he, as a very, very learned man of science, did not have convincing evidence of the dire information he has to share with us, fellow brothers and sisters, he wouldn't be making this large sacrifice. He's doing this, and I know he would never say these things himself, but he says that out of love 
because he he knows convincingly how important this information is, and he sacrifices all of the, 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 quote, good things in life to be a faithful follower of Lord Jesus. And I want to charge all of my listeners to go to Radio Liberty, become a regular listener like I am, uh, to look at his materials, uh, get the materials they have for sale, and support this brother in the Lord who is faithfully serving and trying to serve all of us in the family of God as well. And uh, I, I know you would never toot your horn like that, Dr. Monteith, but I, I tell you, you're a role model for me and for those of us uh, folks who have come in your wake behind you. I don't know how you have the energy and how you've been so faithful uh, for two decades of presenting this information. Uh, I know sometimes the most criticism we get of this information are from fellow believers in the Lord. Uh, they like to call us conspiracy theorists. They like to say all sorts of things about us. And, and that information has been whispered in their ear from the very people who we try to expose that have told these things to them. So I just want to thank you for that and, and publicly thank you for your service and tell my listeners that if you believe anything what you hear on Future Quake, if you're intrigued by it, uh, Dr. Montez has been fighting the good fight well before me, and his show will have much more information uh, to support uh, what's going on. I just want to thank you again for that. Well, God bless, and I appreciate that. And I'm just so glad to know that you and others are coming along. I'm going to pick up the pick up the reins, Jewel, and I'm not here. Well, hopefully, we'll be around for a while, though. If the Lord does tarry, uh, for all of the many, many thousands and thousands of very loyal and devoted followers you have, your contribution, uh, if, again, if the Lord tarries for a long period of time, will, won't be fully understood for many, many decades from now. Uh, when people will fully understand and come across your materials and uh, have their eyes open maybe many years after we're both gone. Uh, I want to clarify something on this conference that you have coming up. It sounds very, very intriguing. I know you've had an annual conference, but is there a web link or anywhere where people can find out more about when it is, where it is, how much it costs to attend, that kind of thing? Well, I, it, it basically it's, um, uh, it's going to be in the north shore of Monterey Bay at the Aptala Seascape Golf Course. Then go to our website at RadioLiberty.com. It should be posted there. I hope it is. But okay. if not, they can call our 800 number. And I know the girls at our exchange, uh, 800-544-8927 or 800-5-HIV-WAR. And, of course, it's $49 for the uh, a day. Of course, they get, they get a free lunch out of it. And uh, we're bringing in speakers from uh, Dr. Blaylock from uh, the East, and he's going to be talking on medical issues. Uh, we'll have Joanna Michelson, who is in a mm-hmm. spirit medium, and we'll have Pat Wood talking on finance, the things people really need to know. I'll well, now, clarify, uh, Ms. Michelson, you said she's a spirit medium. You mean she's a what? former? <laughs> she was a spirit medium. Okay. She, she was uh, basically um, uh, recruited by a Mexican uh, health healer, and, and uh, Joanna was there for 400 uh, of these uh, surgical procedures, these uh, spirit, spiritual uh, procedures where the woman would reach into a man's brain and pull out the tumor and, and reach into the abdomen and pull out the tumor. And these were cases that had, you know, that had been given up by ordinary medicine. Mm-hmm. And now, didn't the, she write the book, the, was it The Beautiful Side of Evil? Beautiful or? Evil, yeah. She right. wrote this back about 1982 after she had become a Christian and realized that this whole thing was a manifestation of the demonic world, and this was all demonic. But I mean, and she has a wonderful, wonderful testimony. I've uh-huh. heard, uh, heard Joanna speak many times. We've interviewed her, but I always marvel at it. Yeah. I just, what a privilege to have her come and, and of course, give a talk for us. But I mean, certainly she was able to contact 
she has the the curse of of being able to contact the other dimension and of course the uh, this faith healer recognized this in her and and of course that's why she was recruited and she was supposed to take take over the ministry but eventually she realized of course that this was coming from the other dimension she pronounced it and um, she's been a great champion mm-hmm. warrior for the Lord ever since then. So, in, any other then, speakers? Any other notable ones? Well, Chris Doctor Blaylock is internationally known as mm-hmm. an expert on medical issues. Pat, we're only going to have uh, five speakers: myself, uh, Michael Shaw, who talks on the environmental movement, Joanna Michelson, uh, um, Doctor Blaylock, and Chris Pat Wood. We we have found that the best thing to do is not to have too many speakers, so that they can. Instead of speaking 40 minutes or an hour, they can speak an hour and a half so that they can get their information out. This is one of the problems going to conferences as they try to squeeze in too many speakers. And I suddenly began to realize after doing this for a few years, and especially with some counseling from my wife, that this was not the way to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, fewer speakers, but better speakers with lots of time. And so this is what we did last year when we had Dr. Garth Nicholson, who's certainly one of the world's leading scientists, and he gave a talk. Uh, and, of course, we had uh, Carol Matriciano. Uh, we had a speaker on finances who was a regular uh, a participant at, uh, in our uh, radio programs named Ron Brown and then because the other two. And it was a great program, and I think people enjoyed it more. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we're going to be. In this year, it's October the 26th. Uh, if anybody's interested, they can contact us through our exchange. Mm-hmm. And we can put them in touch with the hotels there. Uh, but it's people come and uh, they don't want to leave at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. But uh, we usually have to pack up and, and get on home. But uh, it, it's a great way to meet people from across the country. It's a great way to, of course, obtain information because we have all of the things we've made. And of course, we make a lot of four tape and CD sets and DVDs and. And this is how we really, of course, finance in large part uh, our ministry. We mail order business. I never thought I'd give up orthopedic surgery uh, for a mail order business, but this is how we finance our radio ministry and what a privilege it is to be able to speak to people. And this is a one-day event. Pardon? This is a one-day event? It's just a one-day event, yes. Okay, one-day event. Uh, I hope you may have a chair for a Dr. Future there. That sounds pretty tempting for me. Okay, if, uh, we'd love to have you. I would have to just put up with that horrible locale there and the horrible environment in the Santa Cruz area. One of the most beautiful areas in the world is the, is the Monterey Bay area. I've, I've, I live throughout the world. I lived uh-huh. in Europe. We've lived in Africa. We've traveled to the, uh, to the South Pacific, uh, but nothing compares with where we live, and I always come back. I feel very blessed to live here. Well, I, I want to uh, to move on in our discussion a little bit. Um uh, why do you think people prefer not to explore these troubling facts that you've shared, which they're there? If you reach now with the Internet, uh, they're, they're really within reach now. Why don't they explore some of these troubling facts that you have already shown with us today, just in a few minutes we've been on, but, but regularly on your show, in greater detail? And, and why, the, why do people choose to believe what the media and politicians say instead? And, I think it's much more comfortable to believe. I think that there is a element of spiritual blindness out there. And the only way that people are going to be able to begin to change their paradigm of their worldview is to realize that they have a very serious problem that's going to affect them, and this is coming to pass at the present time. Right now, of course, we're seeing the implosion of the American economy. We're seeing the 
destruction of the American dollar, and of course all of the things that the uh, Federal Reserve System and the government are doing to try to uh, counter the current economic contraction are simply effectively destroying the value of our currency. What the average American doesn't understand is what Alan Greenspan said in his book, The Age of Turbulence, quoting Lenin, who said, there is no better way to destroy a nation than to debauch its currency. And not one person in a million will understand what's happening. And that's just what's going on in America today, that we're in the process of, of destroying the value of our currency, and by so doing, we'll destroy the, the pensions of the average American, we'll destroy the insurance, the value of the insurance policy, we'll destroy the, destroy the value of their life savings, the CDs, uh, their annuities, anything that they have that's dominated in dollars is going to be destroyed in the coming years. We're going into a very, very severe depression. Oh, the plan is to lower the living standards of the American people. The plan is laid out in the Earth Charter in the Global Biodiversity Assessment, which we have available for Radio Liberty. These are put out by people on the other side, some of the richest and most powerful and evil people in the world, and they openly talk about the transfer of our wealth to other nations, and that's why they're transferring our manufacturing to other nations, to China, uh, to Thailand, to Malaysia, to Mexico. Uh, we're transferring our major manufacturing elsewhere to raise the living standards of the people there and impoverish the American people. And one of the great problems we have really is affluence. And only when people begin to see everything they've worked for their whole life, uh, and the thing is that they put their, their faith and their security in being destroyed. At that point, hopefully, they're going to begin to ask, begin to ask questions. Why is this happening? Why won't the government stop it? And, and the government isn't going to stop it. And they're doing everything they can to promote it because our congressmen we have some of the finest congressmen money could buy back there in Washington, <laughs> D.C., and they do what they are told to do by the people who give them millions of dollars to run for re-election. And, of course, why is Obama able to raise $22 million in the month and McCain, you know, a similar amount? And, I mean, who's putting up all of this money for our politicians? It's all for the show. It's all showbiz. There's not a dime's worth of difference between the policies of the Republicans and the Democrats. They're both globalists. They're all environmentalists. You're going to use the environmental movement uh, to strip us of our freedom because there's no problem in the environmental movement uh, that a new government program won't, uh, won't um, be the solution. And mm -hmm. what people don't understand is every time you pass a new law, you take away a little freedom. The ultimate goal is to take away all freedom to enslave and impoverish our people. Mm -hmm. And people don't understand. We're moving towards a police dictatorship in America in the name of fighting terrorism and a wicked man who's over there in a cave in Pakistan, Osama bin Laden, who incidentally has been dead for several years. I mean, Mrs. Bhutto, anybody who doubts this, can go up on the Internet and, and uh, type in Mrs. Bhutto. Right. And because she in an interview with Gordon Frost. Right, and she, she said told that. Him, mm -hmm. Yeah, and she told him uh, that bin Laden had been dead for several years and of course, very, very soon, Mrs. Boodle was dead because that's the last thing uh, they want to get out for the American people. You know, Dr. Monteith, it's, it's interesting you mentioned about our politicians, and that's something that we always end up back at with different guests we have on our show, is that this, this whole thing is a facade about the two political parties and different worldviews and things. Um, we, we've not had, uh, if you've noticed, my co-host, uh, Tom Bionic's not been with us in the interview, and, you know, he's a, uh, he's a graduate of... Uh, 
UC Santa Cruz, and uh, he's back in your neck of the woods literally right now. Uh, he surprised and called me yesterday from the uh, outside of the gate of Bohemian Grove. And really? uh, he, he dropped there and got, got roughed up a little bit by some of the security there. But uh, the reports that I saw was that uh, both uh, John McCain and uh, Obama were heading uh, there now sometime during the period of time that they're meeting at Bohemian Grove. Uh, I saw some relatively reliable po- uh, reports on that. I can't verify it myself. But uh, the the fact these groups exist is a reality. It's not a rumor. It's not uh, just a, some kind of an Internet story that's passed around. The documents are there to read if people just take the time and maybe take a few minutes away from going to the mall or, or watching their mindless television program that we've all been programmed uh, underneath to, to, to be mindless uh, and, and ignore these things and go read a little bit. You'll find out these things are legitimate and they'll totally change your, your worldview about things. Um, what do you think... Uh, from the information that you've gotten recently, because really you're you're at the cutting edge of finding information with the guests that you have on putting all the pieces together and their their latest movements. What is some of the information you've had in in recent times that you think my listeners would find most shocking, uh, particularly the the Christian audience we have that maybe is not familiar with a lot of this information. What what have you heard lately that just shows that this movement is accelerated and moving forward very quickly? Well, certainly I think one of the very interesting things is the fact that the, the media is controlled. You're not going to get the truth. I don't know how many of your listeners know that uh, about a week and a half ago, the House of Representatives voted by uh, an overwhelming majority to impeach President Bush. And they've started uh, their hearings, or they have the hearings started uh, this week for the impeachment of the President of the United States, and not a word in the media about it. They, uh, they control the media. They control what people think. Mm-hmm. In a similar manner, of course, the, uh, the tremendous atrocities by the, uh, uh, you know, by the Chinese communists. We hear about the atrocity committed by some, uh, some uh, one of the Bosnian leaders, or maybe it was a Serbian leader, but you know, it, it killed a few thousand people, and that's a terrible thing. The Chinese communists starved it between 30 and, and 44 million people between 58 and 62, and not a word in the media, uh, the United States. And certainly no call for bringing the people responsible for that to mm-hmm. before the bar of justice. I mean, we take Nazi criminals, you know, they were living in the United States. Perhaps they were guarding a Nazi prison camp, and we send them back and make a big issue out of that. And then, of course, we do everything we can to reward the communists in China, uh, you know, because we're building up communist China. And, of course, I fear that we're doing this in preparation for the coming Third World War, First World War, was fought mm-hmm. to bring about a world government, the League of Nations, and when it failed, we had to have a Second World War, and we had a Second World War to create the United Nations, but it still hasn't created the world government. That's why the Third World War is coming, and of course, with this, there will be a nuclear exchange. One of the most interesting stories that's currently suppressed is the story of Sybil Edmonds. That's Sybil Edmonds, E.D. M-O-N-D-S, if you have a computer, you can go up and um, get her story and get information about it. But Sybil actually worked for the FBI as a translator immediately after the 911 attack. And she discovered that there was a spy ring operating at the highest level of the American government that was involved in transferring nuclear technology and nuclear material to Pakistan so they could build their nuclear weapons and share them with Iran and and presumably share them with at least the knowledge with Iran and North Korea and Libya. Well, anyway, 
everything has been done to suppress this story because the last thing that the people who are in real control want is for the American people to know that we are building up the nuclear capacity of the Muslim nations for the coming war. I mean, just exactly as, you know, immediately after the First World War, we build up the communist Chinese, pardon me, the, uh, the communists in Russia, and anybody who wants to get into that uh, can get the books uh, written by Professor Sutton, who is at the Hoover Institute. Of course, they got rid of him because they didn't want this information out, but we carry his book, Wall Street and the Bolshevik Revolution, the best enemies money could buy. And, mm-hmm. and even we have an interview with Professor Sutton before he passed away called The Best Enemies Money Could Buy. And then, of course, the information on Vietnam. We financed the North Vietnamese government during the Vietnam War. Today, we're financing the Pakistan government that's financing Pakistan intelligence, that's financing the Taliban that are killing our boys in, in Afghanistan today. And, of course, uh, we're doing everything we can, uh, and we are still doing this, uh, to build up the nuclear capacity of, of the Muslim nations in preparation for the coming war. They cannot let the American people know. For our listeners, you know, go to my website at RadioLiberty.com, and we have a whole newsletter on the Sybil Edmonds story, and then begin doing research on it. Okay. And then right now you can pull down the Inspector General report on Sybil Edmonds. I think it's 130 or 140 pages of their investigation of her charges. And you know all those pages, almost every one of them is blacked out. Why would you submit a report with 130, 140 mm-hmm. pages with most pages blacked out? Because they can't let the American people know that we're building up the nuclear capacity uh, of the Muslim nations in preparation for the coming nuclear war. Now, now is this going to be in a, in a touchstone through Iran? Is this is this uh, Iran going to be the the next big phase? And yeah, so, I, I, I fear it is. Everything okay. I'm hearing suggests that uh, right now Israeli pilots are using American bases in Iraq for their training, and of course this is in preparation for an attack on Iran. Uh, the Israelis do not trust Obama. They think he's pro-Palestinian. And they will probably attack Iran. This is probably, I can't say it's going to happen, but they will probably attack Iran before the elections in November. And then, of course, we will be drawn into the war over there. That's the plan. Mm-hmm. Okay. What about the e- economy? We're, we're just had some other banks, I believe, in California that just went belly up. I know uh, uh, First Bank of Nevada just did as well, too, here, uh, just announced. What's the latest you've heard on uh, the next steps that we should expect to see, and why is it happening? Well, it was all planned. I mean, this whole thing was planned from the Federal Reserve Board. You know, Alan Greenspan did everything he could to bring about the, the housing bubble, got it to collapse, and then, uh, of course, uh, resigned and left Ben Bernanke there. You, you might be interested. We have a little pamphlet called The Financial Meltdown where I, I tell you what I think, and it, I don't know for sure, but I have a feeling that, that Alan Greenspan did what he did intentionally, but for far different purposes than uh, the people who pay him and control him uh, will ever realize. And so that's a... Uh, that's the conclusion of my little pamphlet on the, the financial meltdown. But basically what's going to happen is our economy is going to continue to implode. We're going to see inflation. We're, eventually the other countries in the world are going to, of course, do, uh, you know, stop using the, our currency as a reserve currency, which means that trillions of dollars will flood into America and destroy the value. 
with our currency. Uh, with a plan is to impoverish the American people. And so the economy is going to keep contracting. The price of oil will probably come down, you know, but uh, that is not going to solve the problem. We're going to see terrible things happening in America. We're going to see increasing famine, increasing homelessness, increasing disillusionment. And, of course, unless the people understand this, this is all been planned by the people who wrote run our government, why are they going to look to the government for solutions? And unfortunately, the solution is ever more control of our lives and the loss of the freedom, which was our heritage. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I, I, our show not only tries to inform people, but we also try to offer solutions to people and give them suggestions on how they can use this information in a constructive way. What can you share with our audience on what they can do to best protect their families uh, to endure in the days ahead, given this information? Well, basically, people have to get out of debt. I mean, if you if you have a house, you know, it's it's you're better off to be renting than in a house. Uh, you know, if if uh, if that and a lot of the houses people are in now are, are worth less than the, the mortgage that they have. Right. The mortgage they're paying on. Get out of debt, whatever way you can, and change your whole way of life. Stop spending money. Pay off your bills. That's the first thing. Get out of anything that you have that is mediated in dollars because they're going to destroy the value of the dollar through inflation. And this is the greatest and wickedest tax of all. But this is what they're going to do. And if they can destroy the value of our currencies, they can destroy our economy. And this is what's going to happen. They say, oh, well, a low dollar uh, is, is good for exports. And it will be. But unfortunately, the economy all throughout the world is contracting. So we're not going to be able to export as much as we have in the past. Uh, Japan's having problems. China's having real problems. The value of their housing has actually fallen 40%. People really might benefit from listening to some of our guests because we we have people who watch what's going on all throughout the world. The whole world is in a downward spiral economically and we're going to see something that will make the Great Depression in the 30s uh, look like child's play. So, uh, yourself, but not only fiscally and financially, and if you can afford to buy gold and silver assets, do it, but prepare yourself spiritually, because only your relationship with the Lord is going to get you through uh, the horrible times that lie ahead. And this is not scare talk. This is what really lies out there. But understand behind everything are these powerful spiritual forces. When you understand this, it all makes sense. Otherwise, none of it makes sense. Well, now, um, our, our, our listeners also have another civic duty that's going to be coming up in a few months. Uh, as citizens, they're expected to go into the, uh, to the booth and uh, pull a lever uh, to select the next president of the United States. Uh, do you have any suggestions based on what you heard? I know you've certainly uh, exposed a lot of information about our two major candidates right now. Uh, are, are there anybody out there that uh, you find reputable? That uh, our listeners can uh, can can sort of lean or learn more about uh, both in the presidential area or any other uh, kind of leaders, other people in society. Well, certainly the perfect candidate is Chuck Baldwin. He's a minister mm-hmm. in Pensacola. I've known Chuck personally for many years. He's been a guest on our show. And well, I'm glad you have him because mm-hmm. he's uh, you know he basically is running on Ron Paul's ticket and he's giving the conspiracy of silence from the controlled media. Uh, they don't want people to know they have an alternative. And people say he can't win. And, and wouldn't McCain be a lot better than Obama? McCain may be bad, but Obama's worse. And I say if when you vote for the, worse, the lesser of two evils, you're still voting for evil. I would far rather actually 
you know, uh, vote for Chuck Baldwin and lose, uh, then prostitute right. myself to vote for either one of those corrupt candidates. We have a great, um, a great new posting we're putting up on our, our other video site today, and I hope your listeners will go to RadioLiberty.com, go to other videos. I hope we'll have this up today or tomorrow. And it's certainly a talk that's given by Ed Griffin, who I've known for for 40, mm-hmm. 45 years. And Ed Griffin talks about the fact that Ron Paul could still win the Republican nomination. I'm not saying he's going to. Now, this is the gentleman who wrote The Creature from Jekyll Island, is that correct? Absolutely, the same one. And we'll be posting uh, a YouTube uh, a conversation that he's put up there, very well done, uh, very factual. Uh, certainly would be a long shot, uh, but there is no reason why Ron Paul still couldn't get the Republican nomination if the candidates, if the delegates uh, simply said, we're not going to vote the first time around, and the second round they could vote for Ron Paul. And believe me, there are people all across this country who support him. I mean, he got you know the majority of the people in, in Nevada, uh, the mm-hmm. Chris, you're never going to hear this. He got a large number of delegates from Alaska. He got 25% of the Republican vote in Idaho. But all of this has been suppressed by the media. There is a tremendous growth, a tremendous movement out there to try to get back to our Constitution. You're just never going to hear about it by the controlled media. Because AOL, Time Warner, Bertelsmann, Firecom, Disney, and Fox control literally 90 to 95 percent of the American medium and determine largely what the American people think and believe. It's it's another form of tyranny, correct? Absolutely. Just like we have, uh, I know uh, people on the right often try to fight civil tyranny and say our government is too big and they rightfully fight that. And then people on the left say, well, wait a minute, there's corporate tyranny. Uh, And and the real truth is you've got the the corporate people who are actually uh, moving the puppets on the civil side. And they're two sides of the same coin. And then we have tyranny of of the media. And uh, really, people have to make a personal decision not to seek the information from people who are bought and sold and seek independent sources of information. You know, you're a gentleman who's not, you you, you don't reach and uh, receive millions of dollars from corporate sponsors when you do your radio show. I, I'm assuming that. I'm assuming you don't get that. You're, you're, you're absolutely right. In fact, I, I wish somebody would offer me a million dollars. <laughs> but unfortunately, we've got a lot of little people out there who are right. concerned. But basically, you Nobody's know, putting words in your mouth is what I'm trying to say. You're well, just taking information and making it available to people, and that's what I call reliable information. Let me just suggest for your listeners, if you want reliable information, why go to worldaffairsbrief.com. That's Joel Scouts. We interviewed Joel a couple of times a week on our program, but World Affairs Brief has great information. Uh, Newsreviews.com. Ed Griffin has a, a website with great information on it, and Chris, you can go to my website. But we're not a we're not a daily news service. We just try right. to. But you can listen to our programs there, which are a daily news service, which will keep you abreast of what's going on. And that's at RadioLiberty.com. You can listen to the live feed. You can listen to the feed nine hours a day to our satellite, uh, along with, of course, several other people: Joyce Riley, Pastor Butch Paul, Pastor Chuck Chrismeyer on our 24-hour days um, satellite feed, and it's very inexpensive to get that, and you can listen 24 hours a day and not get anything accomplished. <laughs> uh, well, but the thing is, you listen to that information, you will not be manipulated by corporate interests that are selling you an advertisement thinly disguised as news. 
Right. And that's what I think is very, very important. Um, I know we're getting here to the end, but uh, just in the news recently, uh, Dr. Dobson, uh, who is a you know, representative uh, of uh, you know the very popular leadership within the evangelical circles, has sort of uh, come around and said, well, even though he said he couldn't support McCain, now he guess maybe he could. He's he's sort of being won over by that lesser of two evils uh, uh, foolishness. And has now decided that he can, you know, lean toward a guy who, if I remember correctly, stood in the way of the selection of judges that would have been pro-life. He actually was part of a group of Democrats from Publics Together that tried to uh, basically take over the Senate and try, like a little mafia, try to dictate what passed or didn't pass. So he's leaning in this direction. And we have all of these who, who they think they are very powerful Christian leaders. They think they have power within the Republican Party. I think it's illusory. But um, they refuse to look in directions like one of their own, like Chuck Baldwin, uh, a fellow minister of the gospel, refused to look that way. What can we as Christians do to put pressure on these leaders, either to ignore them or to try to get them to understand that we expect them to uh, give us information that's consistent with what they say their spiritual beliefs are? Well, I think Dr. Dobson is one of the really great men of our time. I think she's sincere. I think he is... You know, has done a great deal of good, but he right. has terrible advisors. You can't reach Dr. Dobson. I have tried to reach him. I've actually had the opportunity to talk to him at meetings personally, but you try to reach him through regular channels. They have him surrounded, and they've infiltrated his ministry, and he's getting terrible advice. And believe me, you know, sometimes when people keep telling you a lie, pretty soon you begin to believe it. And, mm-hmm. and I think this is what's happened to Jim Dobson. He does not run his organization. It is run by others. And I believe, I believe it literally almost, almost every one of our Christian ministries has been infiltrated by people from the other side who have an agenda. And that is the New World Order, the New World Religion, and the New World Leader. And most Christians are not smart enough to, to figure this out. I mean, somebody professes to be a Christian and says all the right words. But remember, the man who headed the three hundred, thirty million member National Association of Evangelicals, representing 30 million American Christians, just happened to be a a cocaine-using homosexual who is using his position uh, to undermine Christianity. His name is Ted Haggard, mm-hmm. was one of the largest uh, largest churches in Colorado, as I remember. And, and Ted Haggard got to his position heading the 30 million member National Association of Evangelicals because he had fellow travelers planted within the Christian movement and within the National Association of Evangelicals. Understand, ladies and gentlemen, they have infiltrated our churches. Ted Haggard did everything he could to undermine Christianity, and nobody recognized what was happening until uh, until a, a this until a homosexual came forward and outed him. Right. This is the situation that exists today. And you have to learn who you can trust. And there are not very many people out there who are really trustworthy. It's not that they're not sometimes good people, but they've been surrounded. Some of my best friends have been surrounded by people. Their ministries have been infiltrated, and they don't realize they're being manipulated. And you just can't tell them. They're not going to listen to you. So our, you, your job is to find out who you can trust. And the, the sources I put on my radio program, I, mean, I will tell you if I disagree, I will tell you I disagree. Many times I'll put on people I don't agree with, but mm-hmm. I want you to hear what they have to say. And then I hope you'll become discerning enough so that you'll be able to separate truth from falsehood. And you apply your own discernment gifts that the Lord's given you 
to try to assist people in that effort. Amen. That's what we try to do. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we're, we're, we're getting around here to the end. Um, do you have any other suggestions for those of uh, our audience who are overwhelmed with this information? They're people of faith. They want to do what's right. Do, do you see that that there's going to be a sea change, that there's going to be a split within the evangelical world of those who, who pursue those people, who try to pursue power within the political front at, at all cost, and those who are, are true followers of our Lord Jesus Christ, and, and those who are going to resist uh, all of these secular efforts of, of Satan into our churches? Well, I think there definitely is going to be a split. And, uh, I mean, we've seen splits in churches, and some of this, the, the new... Uh, the new theology is coming to so many of our churches, and, and the new music is coming to our churches, and, and people who held to the old views and the old songs and the old hymns and, and the old values have been forced to leave their churches uh, increasingly. What we need to do is educate people that Christianity has been infiltrated, and they've intentionally changed the music and the message of our churches, and they're going to have to get on their knees and ask to be discerning, and, and maybe they don't want to leave their church, but they're going to have to and try to find fellow believers who believe in the scriptures and not in the new gospel, uh, the feel-good gospel that God loves everyone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, anything else that you can shake or share with our listeners about what they should expect to see in the days ahead that they need to prepare for, uh, information you're getting from your guests, your own research that they need to keep an eye for, and if they do, then they need to really seriously get prepared for, for any of these markers that might happen? Well, I think people ought to start laying in a food supply. I think that they ought to have means of purifying water. I think they ought to have a supply of, of medicines on hand and certainly a supply of vitamins and minerals because they're going to be increasingly difficult to get. If there's anything they need now, uh, get it because they're going to be get so expensive before long. You're not going to be able to afford it. Uh, certainly make your plans financially. Make your plans fiscally, but make your plans spiritually as well. And try, of course, to uh, get your people in your family because you need your family to support you. Find others who feel the way that you do, that you know that you can turn to as, as we move into the period of crisis and chaos that lies ahead. And I really believe that we are going to see America change. A lot of people think, oh, well, certainly we're going to have a little downturn. It's going to come back again, and then we'll have the good old America back. And I've got news for you. Uh, the America we've known uh, is not going to exist. And when we come out the far side of this, we either come out as free people under our Constitution or we will be enslaved under a brutal and tyrannical dictatorship, similar to the ones that we are financing throughout the world today, as in Burma. Those who haven't seen the latest uh, Rambo film need to see it because it talks about Christians in Burma. Who's keeping them in power? Why Chevron Oil? And, of course, our good friends in China who are we are, are financing. Who's keeping Mugabe in power in in, uh, in Rhodesia? I mean, a ruthless tyrant. Why, we are through our gifts to the United Nations, the supplying fund for the army there and for the government, but not for the people. And, of course, our good friends in communist China who are supplying the military weapons that are being used to kill the people and torture mm-hmm. the people in, in Rhodesia. And the same thing is true in North Korea. We are financing all of these. But, of course, the American people don't understand that there truly is evil in the world. Mm-hmm. And with Severn Oil, of course, their representative in the, in the Bush administration is Condoleezza Rice. She was on the board of Chevron Oil that's financing the Burmese tyranny today. And, of course, they even named mm-hmm. a, a tanker after Condoleezza Rice. 
Uh, they changed the name mm -hmm. once she became the National Security Advisor, but we can't tell the American people that. We can't tell them that there are powerful forces of organized evil at the highest levels of our government uh, that are supporting tyrants throughout the world today, and that's why we have troops stationed in 130 nations. Why do we have troops stationed in 130 <laughs> nations? Nobody ever wants to ask those questions. If, if anybody doubts what you're saying and says, well, this is just some kind of newfangled Internet uh, rumor and fear-mongering, go back and read Marine General Smedley Butler's book, War is a Racket. Oh, Here we have a World War One war hero who came out and suddenly realized that he had been going off with his troops, defeating all of these other countries throughout Central America and overseas to uh, protect corporate interest. And he finally came out and just uh, put the nail on the head there. And uh, War is a Racket, it's a short book. I highly recommend everyone read it. And it's completely consistent with uh, uh, what Dr. Stan is sharing with us today. Uh, this is this is old information. It's just a few people enlightened enough. And, of course, General Butler is a real hero because uh, he's one of the uh, patriots who resisted an to earlier totalitarian regime in our own government where corporate interest uh, tried to take over in a fascist form our own government. Um, I want to thank you again um, so much for being here with us, Dr. Stan. You are so incredibly busy. Like I said, you could spend your time uh, on the golf course or relaxing, taking it easy. However, you devote yourself tirelessly to try to help your fellow believers and fellow citizens here. What can we do in the last minute or two we have? What can we do to help you in your mission? Well, what, we can, what can we do to help carry your load and make your burden a little lighter? Well, they can go to our website. Pull down our information if they want to. They can join the Radio Liberty family of supporters. They can tell others about our ministry and, and just try to get them to listen because that's what it's all about. A lot of people today are in a position to finance something financially. If they are in a position, I think that the, whatever you send us will be wisely spent, you know, but we're not going to be out there. If God's going to provide for our ministry, you know, one way or the other, and if you want to become part of the Radio Liberty family, we'd love to hear from you. Again, our number is 1-800-544-8927, but go to our webpage at RadioLiberty.com, get the information. We actually have Major General Smedley Mother's Butler's little, pamp, a little booklet there, War is a Racket. We carry his book of the, the Plot to Seize the White House, written by somebody else, mm -hmm. not but Major General Smedley Butler was actually recruited right. to become part of an effort to seize the White House. We carry that book. We have all sorts of books people need to read and get others to read to begin to understand the true nature of the evil we face today. Please, please buy all this very, very useful information from Radio Liberty, uh, from their ministry. Support them financially. They have material that will change your life and your, and your citizens and your community as well. But also pray. Uh, pray for uh, health and for safety and security for the Monteith family and for all of their helpers. Uh, pray that they're given the strength to continue and that the Lord protects them in these challenging days ahead. And I just want to thank you again so much for being here. Um, if you get down to the bottom of the barrel and you're guest sometime in your extensive uh, five-hour-plus-a-day show, and you would like Dr. Future to drop in for a few minutes, I'd be certainly glad whatever I could do to uh, to further support whatever you're doing, Dr. Monteith. God bless. I appreciate everything you're doing.
Well, thanks for your words of encouragement. Well, thanks again, and uh, I just uh, want to encourage everybody to check out RadioLiberty.com. We'll have that link there. Dr. Montee, thank you for the uh, great time today. It was just a really a, a, a brief introduction of you to the uh, the new listeners that we have. We, we want to have you back and talk about some specific topics with, with the great depth of information you have on them in the future. Look forward to it. Thank you so much, and God bless. And you too. Bye-bye. Nothing can change the shape of things. Nothing can change the shape of things to come. Welcome back to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I'm Tom Bionic. And Tom, it's wonderful to have you back this week on yeah. the Future Quake Show. Yeah, it's it's great to be back. I'm sorry I got to I didn't get to hang out with uh Dr. Stan Monteith. Yeah, he's out there from your old stomping grounds where you went to school it's out true. in Santa Cruz, yeah. California. Yeah, that was a very interesting time in my life for a lot of reasons and I'm just sorry that uh I didn't, you know, I've always wanted to sit and have, you know, we've interviewed him a few times. I've always wanted to sit and talk Santa Cruz stuff with him. You know? Yeah, I understand um, he I has a house that overlooks the uh, Monterey Bay. Really? The hill in Santa Cruz. Yeah. Wow. In fact, I was talking to our friend of the show, another future Quake guest, uh, uh, Chris Pinto, mm-hmm. and he was telling me he's actually been in his home. Wow. I wonder if I wonder if he goes to eat at Hong Kong Charlie's. That was a place I used to go eat at. Quite a bit. You know, that didn't come up in our discussion. No, I may have to email him and ask him. Yeah, yeah. Well, we had a great show, and I hope uh, all you listeners out there, particularly those over the radio that maybe weren't familiar with uh, Dr. Stan, I hope you can uh, really appreciate what a heroic guy he is. I mean, he's a guy who's been doing that for a bunch of years. He was doing Future Quake stuff decades before, and uh, I just uh, hope our listeners can. Really appreciate that, and check out Radio Liberty. You know, we only come a half hour a day to give them all the truth that's fit to broadcast. Mm-hmm. He has over five hours worth of material mm-hmm. like that. So Wow, every day. Uh, every day, every wow. day. The guy has just devoted himself mm-hmm. to trying to uh, help his uh, uh, you know, fellow citizen understand what's going on. So I just yeah. salute him, and if you're listening out there, Dr. Stan, I just want to thank you so much. Yeah. For for your devotion, you're an inspiration to us. I would like to point out we've got our special in-studio guest here with us today. Oh, Pyro. Yeah, Pyro. Our buddy Pyro, Pyro here. Pyro, yeah. Our, yeah. our son here has joined us in the Dr. Future studio, yep. and it's great to have you, part of it, too. Yep. I have some news. Or, well, I have you news, have obviously, because it's today. It's Today's the news day, uh, But oh, I also yeah. have some emails from some folk, if, if you got a moment. Let's do the, let's do the emails. I, I know, the I know emails. last week we went a little long on the emails, but... Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we'll have Merv tell you later, or Merv will tell you about how to get a hold of us, but we'd like for you to send emails to us and tell us uh, what you like or dislike about the show, mm-hmm. the topics, the uh, uh, guest, or even the host. Yeah. So, uh, this is the first one comes from David, uh, who uh, is from North State. I don't know exactly where that is, but I'm just getting that from the email. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says uh, he, he was given a suggestion of a guest in Dr. Dennis Cuddy. Uh, he says, I hear this guy weekly as a regular guest on Radio Liberty with Dr. Stan Monteith. Short, yeah. Oh, uh, small world. He seems to be a great researcher into the things going on behind the scenes concerning the power elite, as he calls them. Mm. His name is Dr. Dennis Cuddy. Uh, he, he gave a link here to an article he wrote on News with Fuse, which is also another great place for news. Um, he mentions here uh, in his writing, prior to World War II, how could H.G. Wells, in his book The Shape of Things to Come, which is ironically connected to us, in 1933, correctly predict 
that there would be a Second World War beginning in 1939, originating from the German-Polish dispute, which I have heard about that, that there was this yeah. sort of prophetic part to that book. And how could he also predict a modern world state or world government would succeed on its third attempt after the UN failed 50 years later, coming out of a conference in Basra, Iraq? Wow. Whoa. That was predicted out of that book. Uh, more specifically regarding World War II, how could Sir Julian Huxley on December 5th, uh, 1941, who I think was related to Aldous Huxley, Brave New World, mm-hmm. uh, state that he hoped that America and Japan will be at war next week and Japan attacked Pearl Harbor on Sunday, December 7th, the first day of the next week. Wow. See, those are neat guests. I mean, neat uh, emails. Yeah. You know, that's that. I, I, I'll give you my, well, I, I don't want to say anything against our other uh, people who emailed here. But you get a special honorable mention in Future Quake listener lore, David. Yeah, David, we like you. And we will go find Dr. Cuddy. We will drag yeah. him in just like Lurch used to do yeah, we'll drag on the him Adams in. Family. We will beat him unmercifully till hey, he, he tells he's us a what good we guy. want him to know. Yeah, maybe waterboarding or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Now, hopefully Dr. Cuddy <laughs> will spill the beans <laughs> in a friendly audience here. But, David, thank you so much for giving us that tip. You know, that's just the kind of stuff we chew our and we chew on here on Future Quake. A couple more quick ones, and yeah, we'll get on to the news there. here. This is uh, from Mark, uh, who's here in Nashville. It says, I really enjoyed the show featuring uh, Chris Vanover, who was assistant pastor at Calvary Chapel, uh-huh. reviewing your trip. Uh, I'm listening to The Secret Origins of America right now. Uh, just from a technical point here, he says the fidelity is quite different between the two shows. The Vanover show being of a higher quality. Is there any, uh, and then, you know, anything going on? Uh, I will mention, if any of you all wondered that too, we re ran the mm-hmm. interview with, uh, Chris Pinto. Mm-hmm. Uh, we ran it, what, two weeks ago? Yeah. Uh, or I guess it would have been last week, actually. That was no, back, two weeks ago, that's right. That was back in more of our techn- Cro Magnon days. We were just hustling to put together a studio in time for the opportunity of yeah. WNO. Which again, I want to thank WNO again for the opportunity. Yes. Uh, we were Absolutely. putting things together, really didn't know how to get everything optimal. We still don't, but, mm-hmm. um, there was a, definitely a difference. We, mm-hmm. we, we got onto our equipment that we're using now the following week. Yeah. So thanks for putting up with it. Uh, nevertheless, it turns out that Chris Pinto's show was a real hit. Uh, a lot of people I found out have, have went and ordered his materials. Yeah. Just met a man in Connecticut. Uh, who was telling me he heard it and went and ordered his materials. And, of course, he said he got people yeah. from overseas. Well, I'd actually like to put a little plug out along Chris Pinto lines. Um, I'm actually involved with some folks down at a fellowship called The Anchor downtown Nashville. And that's something we're going to I mean, go on and tell us. Okay. But we're going to have a uh, something special about this, going to promote it. But go on and tell okay. people plans well, ahead of time. Yeah, well, uh, we're actually having a movie night. And we plan, uh, uh, ideally, we want it to be an ongoing thing. What's going on? No, you're fine. Am I good? Yeah, go. Okay. Um, We want it to be an ongoing thing, but for this first uh, movie night, what we're actually going to do is show uh, one of Chris Pinto's movies, documentaries. We're going to show Megiddo 1, which is the first one that he did. Uh, It's called The March to Armageddon. Uh, Megiddo 1, March to Armageddon. Uh, And it'll be August 30th at 7 o'clock. And we're actually going to get, since uh, Chris uh, uh, lives in the area... Uh, vaguely in the area, we're actually going to get him to come by and speak. Wow. So so people could actually see him in the flesh. Yes, they can, unless he wow. plans on, you know. Well, I mean, he know. could, yeah, he he could be in costume you know, or yes, something. Yes, you know, like big alien head. Uh-huh, or, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, bottom line is, his materials, if those of you were intrigued by what you saw, but you hadn't ordered the materials, yeah. or, 
even if you just like to meet him, uh, yeah. all of you listening on WNO or listening in the Nashville area on the web, yeah. be sure and check it out. He's very he's very great both in person and um, on the radio. In fact, uh, even though those of you listening overseas, like our our friend, the professor in uh, England, mm-hmm. uh, I would suggest you just get on a steamer ship right now. Yep. You should get here just in time. Go down to your nearest to uh, nearest outdoor store and get a canoe and a big couple of big paddles. Oh, don't be silly. Some energy bars. Or you you could do like uh, who who was the guy that De Contiki? What was his name that came across on a raft? Thor Heyerdahl, I think was his name. He know. redid the uh, famous trip. Yeah, that's they used to teach that in school books oh. back when schools were good. Yeah. Okay, here's another one from uh, Linda, who's a friend of our show. It says, enjoy your show. Do you know if you can get a video or audio of that Heaven to Earth conference? Um, mm. Well, I am owed I am owed a uh, video. I already have audio of my talk and the conference talk. I was told I had permission to upload them. Uh, somehow there's some kind of right protection thing on it. I found I'm having some difficulty. So mm-hmm. even though I was given a permission, I haven't got quite got that worked <laughs> out. If you'll notice, I got photos. We do have photos up oh, on really? the website Great. from it, and also have the presentation slides on the linked on the front page. Mm-hmm. I also paid for video of it, DVDs, and if I can get the audio thing worked out, I should be able to do the DVD too. And cool hopefully beans. I'll you know make sure everything's okay. Yeah. But thank you, Linda, for asking about that and like to know your comments. And if anybody looks at the slides and has any feedback on them, I'd like to have any feedback, too. Drop them an email uh, to me. Also, if you find I was sort of a kamikaze research effort, if there's any data that I need to clarify or update or whatever, I'd appreciate a gentle uh, comment to me myself, and I'll certainly upgrade it. Yeah. Um, the other email I had was what you just announced here. Oh, you jumped You jumped about the CAA the documentary yep. night. Mm-hmm. Um, can I give a little web, the website address? On oh, yeah, absolutely. Can find out give, more? It all, give it all uh, This is where, if you want to find out more, sorry, I'm, I'm several steps behind Tom Bionic like normal here. But let me give you a link to what he was talking about. It says uh, this uh, uh, movie uh, documentary night at the Anchor Fellowship at Churchtown Town uh, will be the start of a series on the history of the world and biblical study of things to come. We, uh, through this study, we hope to be better equipped to fight social injustice, and we'll have refreshments for sale. Uh, to learn more here, go to christianpeace.meetup.com slash five, that's forward slash five, forward slash calendar, forward slash eight four two one four three five. And should have that straightforward. But sure. we'll have uh we, we hope to have a show with him on before this. Oh, that'd be to great. Find out more detail that. about yeah. the group and publicize yeah. them. So well our regular listeners here both on the web and uh our, our new listener listeners here on W E N O will obviously know Chris because oh, yeah. you know we've had him on. He's a legend here. Uh th- those are the emails for this week. Uh we have some more for next week, so if you didn't hear your email we'll we it's likely we'll be covering it next week. Yeah. But uh, do you have a story that you'd like to start in? Oh, do I get to start this time? If, if you don't don't have to, uh, you don't want to. I'll start. I'll start. Hey, hey if you're gonna do a, if you're gonna do a financial one, I remember our our listeners aren't as heavy duty as the kind of weird stuff we talk about in detail. So you might have to do some cut to the chase translation because blow actually, my blow me over. This man uh, Tom Bionic has an economics degree, so that's yeah, why he has. But to I speak slept in most of the classes, so it's really sort of. Really sort of, really sort of. You uh, got to be monosyllabic when you deal okay. with me. Okay, lay it on us. Well, uh, we didn't go. I didn't go economic, but I did go um, very interesting. Uh, this one is from World Net Daily, and I'll bet at least some of our listeners may have seen this one, but it was just too interesting for me to pass up. Mm-hmm. Um, this is hot off the press. Hot as off of today. the press. As of well, recording today. time. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. As of recording time. 
from WorldNet Daily's Jerusalem Bureau, the son of a top Hamas leader converts to Christianity. Um, this was written by Aaron Klein and uh, posted July 31, 2008. The son of one of the most popular leaders in Hamas terrorist organization. Uh, let me start again. The son of one of the most popular leaders in the Hamas terrorist organization has moved to the U.S. and converted to Christianity, it has emerged. In an exclusive interview with Israel's Haratz, how do you say that word? Haratz, I always thought, I don't know. I thought it was Haratz. Sounds good to me. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Masab Youssef, son of a West Bank, son of West Bank Hamas leader, Sheikh Hassan Youssef, slammed Hamas, praised Israel, and said he hoped his terrorist father will open his eyes to Jesus and to Christianity. So you're saying a major leader in Hamas mm-hmm. has, his son has converted to Christianity. Yeah. Yeah, who was active in the group up to that point? And I, yeah, I was going to say, and I would Praise bet, the Lord. That, yeah, and I would bet um, that uh, uh, that he as well, Sheikh Sheikh Hassan Youssef, uh, yeah, Masab Youssef. I'm sorry, I'm getting them confused. I would guess that Masab Youssef, Sheikh Hassan Youssef's son, uh, Masab Youssef. I would bet he was probably active, very active. In, oh, that's what I yeah, understand. Yeah, he was. He too. was very active yeah. in Hamas, is what I've heard. Um, he says, and I quote, I know that I'm endangering my life and, and I am liable to lose my father, but I hope that he'll understand, understand this and that God will give him and my family patience and willingness to open their eyes to Jesus and to Christianity. Maybe one day I'll be able to return to Palestine and to Ramallah with Jesus in the kingdom of God, Masab said. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. That's, that's heavy, man. Mm-hmm. That's heavy. Uh, Masab said he previously aided his father with Hamas activities, but now has affection for Israel and laments Hamas. Send, send regards to Israel. I miss it. I respect Israel and admire it as a country, he says. You Jews should be aware. You will never but never have peace with Hamas. Islam, as the, as the ideology guides them, will not allow them to achieve a peace agreement with the Jews. They believe that tradition says that the Prophet Muhammad fought against the Jews and that therefore they must continue to fight them to the death. Wow. He just comes right out and says it. Yeah. <clears throat> Quit crossing uh, your fingers. Yeah. Masab slammed Palestinian society as an entire society that sanctifies death and the suicide terrorists. In Palestinian culture, a suicide terrorist becomes a hero, a martyr. Sheikhs tell their students about the heroism of the Shahids. Shahids. Masab's father is considered the most popular Hamas figure in the West Bank. He is, he is serving a sentence in Israel for planning or involvement in multiple terrorist attacks, including an infamous 2002 suicide bombing in the school cafeteria of Jerusalem's Hebrew University in which nine students and staff members were killed. Mm. And here he is, uh, his son converting to Christianity. So, so the answer is, when we see things like that, and when we see Madeline Murray O'Hare's son convert to Christianity, never, ever think anyone is out of the reach of God's touch. Ever. You know, it's one of those, one of those things that I constantly learn and relearn in my life because I'm just slow. Like, God is perfect and he can, he can get anybody he wants. You know, he's sovereign. Mm-hmm. And he we can never me. say, well, that person yeah. is just out of out of reach. He'll, we just have to write them off. Yeah, he will get to whomever he wants to. You know, if I wouldn't be totally shocked if Ahmadinejad tomorrow found Jesus. Came well, up on the news, I wouldn't be shocked, but I wouldn't put it out of God's 
uh, providence either. Right, right. You know, if he, if he got Nebuchadnezzar at the time of his great empire, mm-hmm. why not? So let's take our victories where we can get them. We, we read a lot of sad stuff and discouraging stuff yeah. here. Let's just... Uh, you know, give a praise Jesus and a hallelujah for that one. Yeah, that's a good one right And there. Uh, if we are entering the last days, for all the bad stuff that will happen, there will be some surprisingly good stuff that happens. And well, that's, we will have new allies in places we never expected. Well, that's definitely one of the good ones right there. Amen. Yeah, what do you got? I have something that also has a Middle East flavor to it. Mm. I have a couple stories that, uh, no, it's not like Baba Ganoush or anything. I was going to say, yeah, I like Middle East flavor. Um <clears throat> Some of these uh, that I have today are somewhat related to things that we heard at that conference in Montreal Mm -hmm. that we talked about. Uh, I mentioned on the show last week that um, there was a gentleman representing Kabbalah that uh, Mm -hmm. said that they actually had documents that were secret that said that they really knew that the Messiah's name was Jesus Mm -hmm. and that he would die and rise again in three days. Mm But it had been kept secret only to their group, and it was in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yeah, I remember remember some guy... Uh, who was a big leader within that? Well, movement. that's another On thing. He, he, wrote he wrote it down, it down and his yeah. son opened it up after yeah. he was dead and said, "The Messiah is Jesus." Or right, like right, 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 right. Yeah. Well, now here's right after I got back from that trip. Here's another story that came up. This is out of Israel Today. Um, this uh, says uh, uh, top uh, Jewish uh, Bible scholar concludes after examining ancient stone inscription mm-hmm. that concept of suffering resurrected Messiah is Jewish after all. Hmm. This is from Ryan Jones and Aviel Schneider. It says, A recently publicized Hebrew tablet describing the death and resurrection of a messianic figure challenges centuries of teachings by rabbinic Judaism that the redemptive process of Yeshua, or Jesus, was a departure from biblical Jewish understanding. The unique stone tablet, dubbed Gabriel's Revelation, contains 87 partial lines of archaic Hebrew in which the archangel commands a messianic ruler, identified as the Prince of Princes, to rise after having been dead for three days. Hmm. Now, this is a totally foreign concept to Jewish thinking. Uh, This was a Jewish document. Hmm. Okay, the content of the tablet quickly made headlines after a leading Israeli professor of Bible studies, Israel Knoll of the Hebrew University, declared the text, quote, revolutionary in that it, quote, changes the way we look at the historical Jesus and provides a missing link connecting Judaism and Christianity. I mean, do you understand the significance of that? Here we have a an, 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 uh, Jewish teacher at the Hebrew University saying that now this is a revolutionary finding, yeah. revelation, that changes the way they look at Jesus. Yeah, and That I'm was 2,000 years in the making for this I'm, confession. I'm trying to wrap this one uh, around my around my melon. There's a little more here. It says Israeli messianic leaders say the tablet is further evidence that Yeshua or Jesus was the kind of Messiah Israel was waiting for, even if the rabbis now teach that he failed to meet the biblical messianic criteria. The full text of this and other articles of Eliad from Israel Today, which means I need to get a hold of more content. With yeah, permission. I really I'd say need it would to see be more worth of that the effort. Yeah. But I'd like to see more. Talking about another, I mean, you hear that people tell that we're a downer show, you know, and say downer well, we've, stuff. We've had two uppers today. Yeah. Well, all it was was, you know, major, major enemy mm-hmm. of Judaism and Christianity converts to Christ, and then we have a document from the Jewish community saying that they recognize Jesus as Messiah. Other than that, not much good to report today. Yeah. Well, that's a heavy one, man. 
Yeah, That's I heavy. thought that was really cool. Yeah. Got another one for us? I do. Uh, we've we've been keeping the stories fairly short, so I'm going to do the same. Yeah, I think our listeners probably like that. Yeah. Although it probably interrupts their sleep schedule when we keep well, changing topics. It could be like we could be like uh, Ferris Bueller's teacher. In May, the school board in Barrie, Ontario. No, you'd have to energize us sometimes for that. <laughs> what you got there, buddy? I got one. I picked this one out. Um, you know, your talk, of course, we did the, uh, we did, you recently, we talked about that talk that you did up there in uh, Montreal mm-hmm. about, um, uh, talking about the problems between connecting heaven and earth and, right. uh, the problems in mediumship and stuff. And this one, this story kind of reminded me of that. Uh, seeing, especially because it was also in, uh, it took place apparently in Toronto. It was, I got it from the National Post, um, which is a Toronto newspaper. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Government in Action. In May, the school board in Barrie, Ontario, notified Children's Aid Society to intervene with mother Colleen DeLuc and her daughter Victoria Levin because of, su- of suspected sexual abuse, angering the, the conscientious Leduc who until that point had taken extraordinary measures to protect the girl who was autistic. Upon investigation, it was revealed that the suspicion came from a teaching assistant who said her psychic had told her that a girl with a V in her name was being abused by a man aged 23 to 26. Leduc now refuses to trust Victoria to public schools because they might want to take out a Ouija board or hold a seance. Make sure I understand what you just said. There there were some teachers there that this lady's kid was in. Mm-hmm. One of the teachers had a psychic tell her that somebody with a V in their name was in her being class. abused. And so from that, she was able to take action against this mother yeah. based on that. Yeah, they, she actually notified Children's Aid Society to intervene with, uh, with the mother and uh, because of suspected sexual abuse. But that all this information came from a psychic. I don't know what to say, but well, you know the state will will acknowledge that. Well, um, well, at the same time, it wants to get rid of homeschooling, yeah, and wants to get rid of Gosh, any kind of biblical teaching. Where's William Griggs when you need him? He didn't have a whole lot to say about oh, that. Oh man, sure. he would he would pile into that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, William Griggs, if you're listening to us, I hope you could call comment. us up right now. Well, we want to have him back shortly. Anyway, well, yeah, he's good. we're we're getting on about the last three minutes. You want what me to sneak one in? Yeah, sneak one in there. Okay, this this is also one that will relate to. Uh, the, the conference that I went at, um, it was talked about to Stephen Bassett, who we need to get him on our show, about how um, there's going to be more and more things we hear about the reality of alien presence. Mm. And this just came out in the news, and actually this got a lot of attention, so many of you may have already heard about it. Astronaut Mitchell, and that's Edgar Mitchell who walked on the moon, mm. the moon says aliens are real. Moonwalker claims alien contact cover-up. This is from the London paper, the Daily Telegraph. Uh, former NASA astronaut Moonwalker Dr. Edgar Mitchell, a veteran of the Apollo 14 mission, has stunningly claimed aliens exist. He says extraterrestrials have visited Earth on several occasions, but alien contact has been repeatedly covered up by governments for six decades. Dr. Mitchell, 77, said during a radio interview that sources at the space agency who had had contact with aliens described the beings as little people who look strange to us. So, so let me get this straight. A guy who was a moonwalker, a NASA astronaut, uh, has made the claim that aliens exist and they've visited. Yes. Wow. And that he has seen, you know, seen evidence it. of it. 
he has said this before. This is not the first time, but this really made a big splash on a major London news mm-hmm. story. Uh, and another synchronicity, irony, is that uh, this Dr. Mitchell was also a guy who helped the founding of the IIIHS. The group that really? Yeah, he was involved wow. in that. Wow. So there's got to be a story behind all this stuff elsewhere. Yep. You know, I don't know if I'm going to finish all this because uh, we're going to have to wrap up here. Yeah, we're just about I'll, out of time. I'll just say he says here that uh, he, he uh, said supposedly real-life ETs were similar to the traditional image of the small frame, large eyes, and head. Chillingly, he claimed our technology is not nearly as sophisticated as theirs, and had they been hostile, he warned, we would have been gone by now. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. Well, I don't smoke a pipe, but um, that's food for thought anyway. Yeah. So um, that's his proof that they're looking after us. Wow. Unless. Unless there's another end game. Unless there's some good reason for them to keep us around for a while, like, you know, taking our DNA, our genetic structure. Could be. You know, abductions, mutilations, that kind of thing. Uh, As Jacques Vallée, who's been mentioned on the show by some of our guests, said, uh, perhaps they're after, they seem to be after our essence. Right. And uh, uh, a lot of those abduction experiences, he said, uh, even the abdu- all the ab- abductees, 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 yeah. uh, say that it's actually, uh, 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 it seems to be happening on many levels. Well, speaking of human subjects, we need to quickly identify Merv to all tell right. our listeners okay. how you can find out more about our show or how you can send us emails. So let them know, Merv. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or Internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay. We've got like 10 seconds. Anything you want to say before next week? I can't wait. Okay. We have old friend Mish coming up next week. You're going to love the show. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll catch you next Monday, but until then... We hope your future is very bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake. There are new dreams crowding out old realities. There's revolution sweeping like a fresh new breeze. Let the old